Welcome to the Restaurant Boiler Room, episode 13. I'm your host, Rick Ormsby, Managing Director at Unbridled Capital. Today in the Boiler Room, Buffalo Wild Wings tries to regain momentum. High amount of restaurant lenders with fewer deals in the marketplace. February sales and traffic update for restaurants. Quick comments on Moe's Southwest Grill. And an update from the Taco Bell Franchise Forum in Palm Springs, California. The Restaurant Boiler Room is a one-stop shop for multi-million dollar merger and acquisition activity and financial complexities affecting the franchise restaurant industry. We talk money, deals, valuations, and risk. Delivered to the front door of franchisees, private equity firms, family offices, large investors, and franchisors on an every other week basis. Feel free to find our content at Unbridled Capital's website at www.unbridledcapital.com. Now, let's enter the boiler room. Our first topic is Buffalo Wild Wings tries to regain momentum. Now, the background here. Peter Romeo had a recent article talking about a 2.2% increase in Q4 2018 sales for Buffalo Wild Wings franchisee diversified restaurant holdings who owns 64 restaurants. Though one franchisee hardly represents the entire brand, the idea here is that a possible turnaround could be taking hold. As you may know, BW3 was acquired in February 2018 by Inspire Brands, one of the largest restaurant aggregators who is also owned by Rourke Capital. BW3 had red-hot comp sales growth of about 5% per year for the four-year period from 2012 to 2015. However, same-store sales turned negative for 2016 through 2018. Now, comments. Many of the casual dining chains have started to see nice rebounds in sales and profits in the past few periods, and this might be spilling over into BW3 as well. Casual dining has fought back with better value, higher off-premise sales, and drink specials. However, I have concerns about BW3. First, I think their food is average at best. There are too many competitors who have equally good wings and a much better bar menu overall. Also, prices are way too high, much higher than most competitors. Food quality can be an issue. It isn't really a competitive advantage anymore to have a bunch of TVs showing sporting events. And finally, in my humble opinion, BW3 has missed the mark with the millennial craft beer and local beer phenomenon. Not only do I think BW3 is losing business to other casual dining franchises, but independents are taking business from them too. It's interesting that Inspire Brands has evidently not completed the final draft of their turnaround plan yet for Buffalo Wild Wings. Overall, there appears to me to be many ways to improve the brand quickly and profitably. Sorry, management, but this is an easy turnaround, in my opinion, especially with the high amount of brand equity it has. People still want to eat wings, drink beer, and watch sports, and BW3 has been around a while and has good assets and good locations. I want the brand to succeed, and I'm one of the customers who came a bunch in the past years and now rarely comes at all anymore. For this reason, I think any reasonable turnaround plan can be successful. There's a ton of low-hanging fruit here, remembering that the availability of wings and the volatility in wing prices is a concern for the brand. Now, the effect on M&A. BW3 largely scrapped a refranchising plan several years ago. Over the past few years, many large PE and family office friends and clients of ours have gone from uber interested in the brand to somewhat lukewarm. In 2015 and 16, overall interest in the brand appeared to me to be almost equal to Taco Bell and Dunkin', but with significantly less supply of franchises for sale. Now, however, I think the supply and demand curves for BW3 are basically balanced. If they reinstitute refranchising, it will be met with competition from other casual dining brands also selling restaurants across the country in likely the same markets. Our second topic is 
high amount of restaurant lenders with fewer deals in the marketplace. The background here is that Restaurant Research recently put out some news about the franchise lending space. From a high level, they report that originations have been trending down for almost two years by almost double-digit figures. I can concur that many lenders are singing the blues now for several reasons. Number one, a huge reduction in refinancings. Number two, a sharp wind-down in corporate refranchising. Three, an increase in competition from regional, super regional, and national lenders who are new entrants into the franchise lending business or who are building a dedicated franchise platform. And four, just a general feeling that M&A might be slowing down, especially when removing the halo effect from several large and recent transactions. Now some comments. Increased lender competition and massive industry-wide consolidation have been the biggest factors here, in my opinion. Many franchise systems, most notably Taco Bell, Wendy's, Pizza Hut, Burger King, to name a few, have experienced huge consolidation in recent years. While future consolidation will continue, likely half or more of the older, smaller franchisees have now sold their companies, in most cases to large, institutionally-backed franchise consolidators. There just isn't as much supply as several years ago. And if you go to any of these brand-specific franchise conventions, it's easy to see it. Perhaps the most vivid example is at KFC. I've spoken about this in the past, where the convention no longer looks like franchisees who resemble the farmers in the famous American Gothic painting, but instead are younger, they walk faster, and they wear knockoff Gucci shoes. On the lender competition side, I now go to these conventions and feel more like a franchisee than an investment banker. Lenders are more eager to talk more than ever with Unbridled. And sure, we are doing and likely doing more franchise investment banking business than everyone else, but I sense that lenders are not meeting their quotas and are desperately looking for places to lend money. I would be almost sure that the number of lenders in the franchise space has almost doubled in the past four to five years. Now, the effects on M&A, what does this all mean? Competition for loans will continue to intensify and is already showing itself in previously overlooked brands. If you own or operate a brand with decent Sales and traffic comps expect massive interest. Also, these lenders salivate for larger transactions, not the smaller ones. The lending market for $5 million loans or less, for example, is virtually non-existent anymore on a national scale. Finally, I think you'll see a dismantling of this growth in lending platforms soon. Why? Market changes are expected as the environment gets tougher, and there are too many smart and experienced lenders who now are making less money than they did in previous years. Expect an exodus of these lenders if originations continue to decline. They'll get replaced with reps with little experience or average skills because they won't be paid as much, so watch out for that too. Our third topic is February sales and traffic update for restaurants. The background here is that TDN2K reports the following headline for February 2019. They say, Chili sales and traffic growth understaffed restaurants plagued by February. They report comp sales and traffic were down 0.61% and down a shocking 3.67% in February, respectively. Comments here. These results are concerning for sure, especially the eye-popping drop in traffic. February's same-store traffic drop was the worst result in the industry since September of 2017. The traffic decline was so severe that not even a 3.1% year-over-year increase in average guest check was able to deliver positive sales comps. Ouch. Part of this surprise was due to really bad weather in the Midwest and East Coast in February. Many of you remember the huge winter storms and cold temperatures. Part of this is also a rollover of the positive impact of tax cuts on last year's paychecks for American workers. But most of this drop in traffic, in my opinion, is of larger concern across the restaurant industry. Now, the effect on M&A, 
I wouldn't be surprised to see these sales and traffic trends continue. There are just too many restaurants. Unless you operate an awesome brand with a great consumer experience and strong loyalty, you don't have much pricing power right now. Customers have many options, and while there is certainly too much discounting in the industry, it is a necessary reality that operators have to keep pricing low to attract customers. Labor shortages are also a big concern, and just an opinion here, but we may be starting to see the start of a longer-term trend of moderate pain that could result in store closures and future financial uncertainty for franchisees. The fourth topic is a quick comment on Moe's Southwest Grill. Background here is just a big congrats to Moe's Southwest Grill for being named the 2019 Franchise Times Zor Award winner in the category of South of the Border. This article caught my attention because we seem to talk about QSR all the time in the restaurant boiler room, and I thought it would be nice to give a shout out to fast casual brands. I've often been negative on them in the past on this podcast. Now, here's some comments. At over 700 units and growing, Moe's is an interesting brand and part of the Rourke Capital Empire of franchise or brands. Unlike most QSR brands, Moe's is still a place where a smaller franchisee or a larger one could invest and operate. Moe's has an AUV of slightly over a million, is growing its off-premise sales, and has reasonable build-out costs. For consolidators, it could be an interesting brand to enter for several reasons. Number one, lack of competition. Number two, ability to consolidate smaller franchisees at lower multiples. Number three, high concentration in the Southeast and East Coast where labor costs and concerns are lower. And four, it offers an investment into the Mexican QSR or fast casual space that has been very elusive. As you know, Taco Bell has been almost impenetrable to new folks. Chipotle is all corporate-owned. Taco John's is small. Del Taco is mostly on the West Coast, etc., etc. Our fifth topic is an update from the Taco Bell Franchise Forum in Palm Springs. Background here, I just returned from Taco Bell's Franchise Forum. And as an aside, the forum was actually in Indian Wells, California, and only two miles from the recent BNP Paribas Open Tennis Tournament. If you are a fan of tennis, this tennis facility at Indian Wells is just awesome. It's incredible. I've never seen so many beautiful palm trees, flowers, and pristine tennis courts, all with the stunning backdrop of desert mountains, some of which are snow-capped. I mean, it's really quite breathtaking. Now, quick comments here. There were a few new faces at this year's convention due to two large M&A transactions recently that brought new family offices into the Taco Bell system in the South and the East Coast. Franchisees were generally in a great mood by informal poll of just a few franchisees. I'd say that many are up double digits in sales this year, and many are also experiencing traffic increases. Taco Bell's been able to push higher prices successfully, while most other brands simply can't do it because of competition, less loyal customer bases, or lack of new product innovation. Now, there appear to be several exciting new breakfast items in the planning phase for Taco Bell as they evidently look to ramp up that slow-building sales layer. In my opinion, Taco Bell can make breakfast a much bigger thing than what they are doing currently. And finally, there were more lenders in attendance than I've actually ever seen previously, some of which actually admitted to me that there is no way that their bank will be able to compete with the crazy LIBOR plus 175 or LIBOR plus 200 rates offered by the most competitive banks in attendance. The effects on M&A, as listeners know, Unbridled does a ton of Taco Bell M&A work. Like KFC, however, the number of small franchisees at Taco Bell is noticeably dropping in favor of well-capitalized consolidators who hire smart people but know nothing about restaurants. For now, expect the eight times EBITDA multiples to continue for Taco Bell acquisitions, with buyers eager to acquire and even more eager to develop new units to buy down their multiples and increase their equity and profitability. Thanks so much for entering the boiler room today. 
You can find our podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. If you like these podcasts, please listen, rate, and review. I also encourage you to visit our website at www.unbridledcapital.com for the best franchise M&A and financial resources in the industry. Our website includes podcasts, videos, white papers, and a list of our M&A transactions. Please note that neither Rick Ormsby nor Unbridled Capital LLC give legal, financial, or tax advice. These podcasts represent opinions that have been prepared for informational purposes only. We expressly disclaim any and all liabilities that may be based on such information, errors therein, or omissions therefrom. Mm -hmm.